Welcome to the spoiler cast for Rehydrate. This episode will contain spoilers for all of the three-body problem, the dark forest, and death's end. If you don't want to be spoiled on future events, please skip this episode. This is season three, episode six, The Snow Program where we will be discussing the conclusion of The Dark Forest by Lucy Shin. My name is Amin, and I have only read up to the current point. Hi, this is Dan. I have read the entire series. Hi, my name is Talia. I have listened to all of the Remembrance of Earth's Past, and I'm rereading along with the spoiler cast. I want to give a couple of updates about the show itself. Uh, I mentioned this on the main show, but for people who might just listen to the spoiler cast, just so you know, first of all, I posted a season summary of season one. Uh, so if you wanted to go back and remember what happened for the three by the problem without reading the whole book again, there is an audio format where I just compile all the stuff I talked about in season one. But then on every episode on the website at rehydrate.space, we also have the episode summary. So you can go back and read them if you wish or want to refresh yourself without having to read the whole book. And I also want to talk about next season's plans. Next season is... We have another uh, season that's in production right now that's called Unfathomable, which is our music podcast, which is season four. It hasn't been released yet, but it will be hopefully soon. We, at the same time, are going to be going right into Death's End, which will be called season five. So look out for that in your feed. And we also will be having guest hosts on the main show, which includes our very own Talia, uh, and as well as some others uh, who will be uh, helping us break down the finale of the Remembrance of Earth Past series. And I will talk about the brief summary of this finale episode of The Dark Forest. We start with Beijing descending into chaos after they hear about both the droplet attack and the Battle of Darkness. We have Luo Ji waiting for the droplet to come and kill him. And it doesn't. It actually goes and blocks the sun with electromagnetic waves to block out more broadcasting using the sun. His spell works as 187J3X1 is destroyed. And Loaji explains the dark force principle to Dashir. Loaji seemingly wastes his time on a little known and little cared about snow project, which mm-hmm. actually turns out to be super important and the start of the deterrence area as he comes to a understanding <laughs> with the Trisolarans to let them open up the sun for b- communication. In return, we will not broadcast the coordinate of the Trisolarans to the universe and have it destroyed. So I wanted to start off this episode. I had this thought, and I was going to surprise me with it, but I actually gave him a little bit of preparation ahead of time so he could think about it. I thought, you know, we've been spoiling the series for two seasons now, <laughs> and I was I was thinking it would be a fun experiment is if Amin gave us what his understanding of what happens in, in Death's End uh, in as much detail as you want to give. So keeping in mind that my brain is a sieve and I retain almost (laughs) nothing. Um, So this is my guess as to what happens in Death's End based on the things I recall Talia and Dan mentioning to me. So at the end of this book, we learn about the dead man switch that Luigi has and that the truce with the Trisolarians basically depends on that. So I imagine, uh, and also I remember Dan and Talia saying that Luigi has a has a smaller role in the next book. So I'm assuming or guessing that he decides to hand over the dead man switch to somebody else. And he goes off and lives the rest of his life with his wife and kid. Hmm. Maybe they go into hibernation and come back later. But I don't remember if that's how it works or not. But I'm assuming I think something like that probably happens just based on how you've described that the third the third book has a different protagonist um, than than this book. The other thing 
and I think I talked about this on the main episode, is that there are all these ships that are out there, and uh, I'm guessing they'll come back and with either new information about the Trisolarans or something else that will upset the truce. The other thing I think I remember about Death's End is that it jumps ahead in time many, many years. So I'm guessing the book's going to end with the end of the universe, more or less, or some version of the end of the universe. Maybe maybe, maybe I made this up, but I maybe there's a multiverse somewhere. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my terrible, terrible guess as to what happens at Death's End based on the last 12 spoiler casts that I've been <laughs> participating in. Has it really been that long? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, there's you know, obviously yeah. a lot of details that we we threw out there and kind of cavalierly like just mentioned them. And I guess the main purpose that like I wanted to see is like how what points like stuck in your mind of like what are the big things that are happening, right? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that what are those the important are the beats. Right, right. Because like I know I've been spoiled in other stuff before, and then like you watch and be like, oh, I didn't understand it at all. Like, <laughs> what the hell? But like you, you kind of know, you kind of pick up on one point or whatever. I remember the only thing that really sticks in my mind is like someone spoiled like par- parts of Pulp Fiction for me, and the the scene where uh, Jules is like pointing the gun at the guy, you know, and the w- with the the hamburger, <laughs> uh, yeah. and like someone mentioned that to me, and like that's the only thing I picked up on. But it was totally un- different from my understanding. Pulp Fiction though, like I the know. delivery I, I, is just makes that movie, and like that Bible verse recitation, um, yeah, yeah, dialogue. Yeah. How can you spoil that? I know, yeah, that that, but like my understanding of what the movie was was totally different. Obviously, <laughs> when you see it, like, oh, that didn't matter. I mean, it matters, obviously, to the right, story, but right. I think Amit like... did a great job when he first said the prompt. I was like, uh oh, it reminded <laughs> me of that like meme from a couple of years ago, but like poorly explained the plot to a movie. Yeah, and it's like depressed <laughs> widowed father meets up with a mentally challenged woman to find his disabled son, and that's the plot of Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty great that's what i thought it was going to be like so with those expectations i thought it was at least as far as content really great i think it maybe undersells some of the the drama and the heart but, uh yeah better than i would have expected i'm a little bit surprised you as many times as i've mentioned it you didn't uh you did mention the multiverse and that's sort mm. of the case but it's not the the important right, part is multiverse and i was like hmm yeah it's not so much the higher than three dimensions that becomes important it's the lower than three dimensions that becomes Ooh, super important yeah. uh or you know it's it's probably the most consequential thing and there are big jumps in the timeline in fact we jump about 18 billion years into the future so hmm. yeah this pretty significant jumps <laughs> into the future there is yeah, I think you're closest on your description of the G. He becomes what's called a sword holder, and that's basically just the deterrence. Like I mentioned in the, the summary, that this is the start of what's called the deterrence area. And so, especially in this book, everything is kind of broken up by era. And I've talked a lot about like the common era and the crisis era. And now, like right after this happens, we enter the deterrence era, and that's kind of the beginning of the next book. Anyway, Lua G is at the beginning the sword holder of basically the button to broadcast the the corn to the tries the layers and that's what keep that's what keeping him at bay and there is a handoff to the main character um hmm. and the deterrence error very quickly fails because <laughs> she does not want to press <laughs> that button it, we, we kind of find out that the cooperation that's seemingly happening between the humans and the trisolarians like it's all a ruse <laughs> they just like quickly pounce upon the the new store holder and kind of take over earth <laughs> 
Yeah. So, so what I've learned from this is if anyone's listening to you, just the spoiler cast to do a book report on any of these books, yeah, you should yeah. not, because clearly there's a lot of, there's a lot of holes in, in what we talk about here. Yeah. And there's a lot of nuance. Yeah. Like Talia yeah. said, there's like so much like nuance and characterization that happens. Yeah, there is. But I, it reminded me of actually the last episode of the main show. I think it was called Droplet, episode five, I believe. And I think it was even Amin who mentioned that part of the way that the plot twists for Liu Sushin is not like, you know, characters are necessarily revealing certain relationships they didn't have before or any kind of uh, gotcha moment like that. It's more like the whole camera will pull back and reveal that it's actually a much bigger scale than you imagined. Or it's actually like you thought we were outgunned but turns out like we're completely like we are we brought like a water balloon to the gunfight Uh, and i think that does continue to happen because even as we're mentioning the trisolarans i'm like wow the trisolarans like i remember them but they're not really a focus of of the third book in the way that they were such a big fear i remember at the end of three body being kind of worried being like oh no like humanity has no they have no chance whatsoever and then it sort of develops as we see that evolving with deterrence and having, you know, maybe use some strategy or just some old strategies of war to gain an edge. But then again, we just zoom out so much further in the third book. So that's what I remember from the third book, zooming out. The Trisolan has become like the victim, you know, halfway through the book or so. Mm-hmm. In the main podcast, um, and I don't know if this actually makes the final edits or not, but you've mentioned to Tim a couple of times that he shouldn't even look at the names of the eras of yeah. Death's End and he should <laughs> just read it. So so what are the... So I, I didn't go and look at those as I was just jotting down my notes about about what I recollect, but what are the spoilers in that, do you think? Or, or is it not a spoiler? Is it just more exciting to... No, to there's the a jump? huge... There's a huge spoiler. You know, I mentioned, like, we kind of jump in for... I have the book right in front of me. So the first couples aren't that bad. So we go, I'll just read the eras in order here. So we have the common era, which is the, you know, the era before we knew about the Trisolarans or Earth knew about them. Then we have the crisis era, which was basically the entirety of Dark Forest. Then we have the deterrence era, which is right after that. And then we have the post-deterrence era, which is after the the sword holder um, fails. And then we have the broadcast era, which basically means now we actually broadcast the coordinates of Trisolaris. Then we have the bunker era, which was a mechanism to save humanity, but it doesn't work. Uh, and then we have, right after that, we have galaxy era, which is 2273 to unknown. Doesn't, they don't know how long it is. And then the biggest spoiler, I mean, these names are all just names, right? Like, I think you wouldn't have been yeah. spoiled by those. Mm-hmm. But then we get into the actual, the next ones, which is, Black Domain Era for DX3906 system, which is 2687 until 18 billion. <laughs> so, and then we have the timeline for universe uh, 647, which is 18 billion until dot, dot, dot. So the big spoiler there is that, oh, we're going to jump like way, 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 way ahead in time <laughs> to uh, to 18 billion years from from basically like our current timeline. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is like a minor point, but is it 18 billion or 18 million? Because 18 million like is a geologic era. We know stuff about things that was happening on the earth, 18 million, but 18 billion, like uh, earth who? There was no earth. So I'm reading it. It's, oh yeah, 18 million, right? I was lost in the sauce with all the digits as well, but I was just like, wait a minute. We couldn't know anything from 18 billion because they actually 
one of the stunning I don't even know if I should spoil what happens before <laughs> and after that jump. I mean, what's what's your tolerance on this on this point? I'm all about the spoilers. Because so, I will not, I will not remember. So yeah, so there's this whole idea of like, because oh, you won't remember. <laughs> um, there's this whole idea of like, how can you send messages through time, or how can you preserve like a seed of civilization that comes up all throughout the books of like, well, maybe we can have a colony of humans, or maybe we can keep the Trisolarans on Mars and preserve a seed of Trisolaran civilization, or maybe we can send this ship out of the two-dimensional universe a two-dimensional solar system and they'll survive and again there's that preservation desire and instinct across time so human humanity looks up you know can we put something on digital storage or in fact physical storage and they actually do manage to have some kind of storage between the time before the 18 million year jump and after it's difficult to do obviously but they do manage to find a way to send information, you know, from the past to the far, far distant future. How would you save a message? Um, would you like put it in a bottle, put some paper in a glass bottle and send it to your lover across the across the sea? How would you think you could possibly save information? I mean, that's a good question. I was going to say something geological, but over 18 million years, that's that probably won't persist. I mean, you're in a super information age. So like any kind of quantum computer or whatever you want you've got it so you can answer beyond what you have access to right now but i'm just very curious i know 18 million is such a long time (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i I guess i guess i would try to figure out something something astronomical i'm assuming space travel is still a thing Hmm. so can i put the message somewhere else that's a good idea (laughs) i'm curious because like you know you do wonder because Leo Sushin does devote like a whole chapter to like explaining different ways that people tried to store information and how most of them were just really short-sighted and really short but so you can definitely read about this in Death's End but I was wondering if you could tell ahead of time I don't think I could tell ahead of time like the right quote-unquote answer I feel like maybe like preserve something in amber so we have really old like oh yeah that's true in amber just write something down stick it in there yeah i so so I, I was thinking about amber but i'm over 18 million if the surface temperature of the earth rises to such a point that the amber does not remain Ooh, that's a problem r- remain in the same phase as it is now in the same state that, well, yeah. good news is there's no more earth so oh. surface temperature of the earth, <laughs> it's not a problem but maybe you just shoot it into space where it's cold i guess yeah even if you preserve it in in amber like and that their sun goes supernova and destroys the planet right it's not gonna help you it's <laughs> <laughs> a good point i don't i don't think it's possible for him to come up with the answer <laughs> well read and, and find out but yeah but, i yeah. thought it was a good prompt like what do you think the third book is about based on what we've spoiled for you what if you like just started reciting the book like chapter just, one that was shows how good of us spoilers we're, we're, we're giving him right <laughs> and what did his answer show us instead yeah i think he got the he got the major bullet points kind of i mean mm. like obviously like just, i think it's really hard to maintain and, and retain the um the nuance that happens and I don't, it's hard to convey even without reading it right that's why the book is there but i think you got the the major kind of big parts <laughs> there's just a lot of cool stuff that happens in between those big parts the, speaking of characters the one thing that i mean you mentioned on the the main show is that when we're talking about potential plot points for the next book in a, a non-spoiler way 
and what you think is going to happen. And you had mentioned that there might be some people who were either in stasis or you were had been involved anyway, and they not might might not be so happy with the uh, Earth Trisolarian uh, cooperation. So we do have character like that, sort of. Um, I mean, I would say like Wade is the is a character who. He's not like really anti-Trisolarian or anything, but he's just really kind of militaristic and he has like the kind of thinking of which blow stuff up just <laughs> just to, just to be safe. He is sort of the antagonist if there is an antagonist for the next book. So there is sort of that character. I, I don't know how, how do, would you characterize him that way, Talia? As an antagonist? Yeah. Um, not really an antagonist. I just think I mean Chung Sheen, who's maybe the protagonist, ends up like thanking him. And giving him more credit than anyone else. So maybe like a foil more than an antagonist. But he actually, I mean, shoots her. He tries to kill her. So He does try to kill her, <laughs> but then they, they repair their relationship and move on from that. Yeah. You brought up a good point about, like, he would rather just shoot them and get it out of the way. Like, it's because of people like Wade that were in the dark forest yeah. at all. So I don't know if you can, like, make him the antagonist because it's like everyone had to be like him or else we wouldn't be in this situation to begin with i could i could be convinced otherwise though yeah i was thinking about it actually today when i was preparing for this episode like you know we had the other prompt of heroes versus villains and i i didn't choose wade and i was thinking well is he actually a villain i mean it's hard to say right like he has villainous qualities i guess you know he's he shoots a girl just to get his political way. Every dictator or every evil person thinks they're doing the right thing, right? And he thinks he's doing the right thing by trying to kill Chung Xin so he can become the sword holder. Be a man enough or, you know, quote unquote man enough to send the broadcast to destroy Trisolaris where Chung Xin wouldn't and, and doesn't. So does that make him a villain? We have an actual example of someone who does that and is not considered a villain. You say that Wade tries to do, you know, tried to kill Chung Xin like a dictator would to ensure that their world order comes to pass. I mean, that's yeah. exactly what Zhang Beihai did. He did it right. to guide the course of humanity's research. Uh, research. Right. Yeah. So like, that's another reason I, w- I probably wouldn't choose Zhang Beihai as the hero of the story either, even mm. though he... I mean, his method worked, I guess, in the end, right? Like, the blue space gets out there through roundabout means <laughs> through, uh, to actually, like, you know, preserve humanity in a way. Because it's like, the curvature propulsion hadn't worked and they didn't develop lightsaber ships. Like, they would be the only people out there to preserve humanity. And that's a direct... Well, it's a direct result of both of them. Can't you argue that? Like, of both of them, though. Like, Wade was the one who invested in enough fundamental research to create light speed ships and Zhang Beihai came before him to make humanity think bigger. I don't know. It's it's complicated for me to assign him the role of villain. Is all I yeah. Say. I mean, I think that's on purpose, right? And I think that's why it's cool. Oh, yeah. I, I think like if there's anybody who wouldn't be, who, who's very suspicious of the Trisolarans, you know, uh, and about like the Earth Trisolaran cooperation, it was Wade. Like Wade is that person. Yeah. I think we discussed in uh, last Maybe it was this handoff, um, maybe in this episode of the last one about the levels of deterrence. Like we come to the age of deterrence with the snow project, but of course that does depend on one person holding the switch. And we talk about like, I had to think about, and maybe you'll answer this in your next season, but like, what do you think your own personal level of deterrence would be? Because they evaluate it from zero to 100. Oh yeah, it would be super low. <laughs> for me personally, it'd be like <laughs> yeah. it'd be like very closer to Changshin. Like, there's no way I could make that kind of decision to destroy a, an entire civilization. I would not be a good sword holder. How about you, Amin? Can you self-evaluate? 
I'd like to think I would be more rational, but I'm probably with Dan. I I, I think actually making that decision would be really hard, but I, I would de- I would definitely hesitate and not be able to make that life or death decision. So you see that like Luoji, when he creates deterrence, he immediately tries to say like when they start to try and negotiate, he's like, no, 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 no. Talk to my manager. Not my problem. <laughs> Other heads will deal with it because he doesn't want to be the one holding that decision. And then as we see in the third book, it ends up being him for almost 100 years. It's such yeah. a despicable job. Like no one would want to have that much responsibility. So maybe Amin will take back his choice of being Luoji for the five-year <laughs> vacation. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you had mentioned last time uh, that, yeah. that security you wanted to be. And, you know, he, that is a cool five years of, yeah, you know, living sure. in luxury and, you know, getting that cool uh, wine off of the bottom of the ocean and everything. Yeah, he ends up like literally wall facing for, for like a hundred years and just like sitting there watching the, for the tricellars to do anything and, and being ready to uh, destroy them if they do any uh, aggressive movements. How does he end up handing off that responsibility to someone else? Does he just die of natural causes? No, the humanity chooses to elect a, a new one. Oh, okay. And it, the, there's a kind of conflict between the main character and the, the person we we're talking mm-hmm. about, Wade, to see like who should hold it, where Wade is a lot more militaristic and, and Chungshin mm-hmm. is more uh, more optimistic and, and nurturing, that kind of thing. And so humanity eventually chooses Chungshin to be the sword holder and then Trislayer like immediately attacks <laughs> and, and like they see yeah. right through it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Luochi's just like the Pope. He just like stepped down because he was old. There's not really evidence that he was like forced out of that position. They were just like, yeah, we kind of want to have a backup plan before we absolutely need to. So they hold the elections and Changshin does, you know, win. And it becomes very clear that Trisolaris not only seizes the moment, but actually later we get evidence that they like were planning for this even as much as five years ago. They could tell the, the type of person that humanity would elect and that it turned yeah. out to be like a perfect guess. Right. <laughs> I, I hope the first half of Death's End is just Luigi complaining about being this person for a hundred years. It just he, him he didn't even find talk. out. Oh, yeah. he didn't find out. <laughs> yeah, he may have gone like mute. <laughs> yeah, remember, like after right after he becomes sorcerer, he like he can't talk for a while because his voice because mm-hmm. then they meet so fond later on. And like he's his, he's still getting his voice back, and Loji, you know, shows up a little bit later on. But he's like at the beginning of the book. Well, is he a monster because he destroyed this this solar system? And like maybe that how did he know that doesn't have planet life on it? Eventually, he's the only person who can carry out deterrence. So he have and you know he's done that job for a hundred years or whatever. It's a terrible job. He's done it for so long, but also to cap it off, humanity resents him for it. They're not grateful, <laughs> right? The next uh, thing I, you know, as I was re-listening to our last episode, so Tim brought up a question, and I don't know if I mean you have the same question of, do we ever meet the Trisolarans? And do we do we meet them, see what they look like, interact with them? So the, the answer is no, not in canon anyway. Mm. But there is a fan fiction book that's called Redemption of Time that apparently Loishishin likes. But you know, he didn't write. If you guys are up for it, I kind I I haven't read it. They do have a description of the Trisolarans. Do you guys want to hear it? I don't know if you have interest in reading it. I'm game. I yeah. haven't read it either. Yeah. So apparently, in this book, the it kind of focuses on Yuan Tian Ming meeting back up with the Trisolarans, and this is my secondhand knowledge of what happens. <laughs> I haven't read the book, and I only talked to somebody who read the book. She had said that <laughs> what happens is he meets the Trisolarans, but then. There's no Trisolarans around. It actually ends up being the Trisolarans are actually like bug-sized. 
and like they're super tiny uh, oh. and so he, he can't uh he can't see them uh without like looking at it i don't know much more than that but like that's th- that's kind of the twist there is that they're they're bugs themselves and they they're not self-aware enough just to, to know that they're calling us bugs but they're actually the bug sized interesting so i guess i mean do you care that we in canon don't actually meet the trisolarians like we we see an envoy of them that is basically like a robot version of a trisolarian but it's not what they actually look like but that's the most that's the most physical representation we have of the actual trisolarians but does that bother mm-hmm. you at all no i don't think it bothers me i think it would be so no it, it doesn't bother me at the end of three body problem i think we quote unquote we read about the trisolarians and and yeah the, we're in their world. So I'm just curious how that's going to translate to the series, if they're, how, how they're going to interpret that, or if it's going to be something more mysterious, if, if the Trisolarian's appearance is supposed to be mysterious. That's true. That's a good point. Like, I don't know how they're going to film that. <laughs> uh, maybe, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do that without, without revealing what the Trisolarians look like. How are they going to show the Trisolarian conversations happening? And on top of that, there's another chapter that we have in Descent coming up where it's a perspective of a totally different alien. How are they going to show what they look like? Because we have no idea what they look like. So mm-hmm. I I think it would be a real shame if we cut out any Trisolarians just to try and preserve the idea that we don't know what they look like. Because definitely far and away, my favorite chapter from Three Body Book One was like, when they're discussing with the high console and saying like, do we have permission to unfold this proton? And, you know, there's this back and forth and it has these consequences on their city. And then they go through this whole process of actually suffering this long winter in order to complete their engineering project. Like it's a little like World War II effort right on their planet. And if that was just skipped, I think it would really just do a disservice to the series. Totally, yeah. The only thing I can think of is that like, in the three body world, we're already seeing like avatars, like hum- human avatars of like Einstein and Copernicus and those kind of things. Uh, maybe they'll continue that into in, in oh, a little bit further. Be. It would keep yeah. some actors employed. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, maybe like we'll see human avatars of like Trisolarians, even though we don't actually see Trisolarians, because I think it would be a disservice to the book into the series to actually like make Trisolarians. As interesting as a thought of experiment is that they are bug size. Like, I don't think that would actually work for real. It wouldn't be interesting enough for, for the show. Yeah. So I, I, I also hope they keep that part in because that part was great. Also my favorite part of, of book one. Mm-hmm. So it would be really bad if they didn't have that at all. Imagine if you like meet a spacefaring civilization and you try and board their ship and it's like, a grain of rice like that would be (laughs) such a bummer yeah (laughs) i don't know i guess things don't need to be the way that they are on earth but as humans we dedicate a lot of really valuable space and resources and energy to having a really big brain like it's hard to imagine that we could be outmaneuvered by a bug because yeah you sacrifice a lot to be as light and tiny as a bug i don't know maybe i'm too deep into this fan fiction which i haven't read (laughs) <laughs> I've only heard like very mixed reviews of it anyway. Priya was the the one who told me about it. Um, one of my other guests, and she oh, had cool. said like the first half is is good. Um, the second half is is not very good. <laughs> like you know, I think she was saying he try the the author tries to have like the big uh, scientific concepts like she's in death that's not as successful. I mean, it's hard to do right because like mm. he's among the best of what he does, hard to replicate that. Mm-hmm. Question I had for Talia, a more follow-up from the latest episode that you haven't got a chance to listen to. Both Tim and Amin said, it seemed like there was a common thread between both you guys about the least favorite part of 
this book was like, there's not a lot of characters to hang on to. And I think that improves in book three. Like, I think mm -hmm. we, you know, we have a definitive main character throughout the entire book. She has foils to some degree of foils. Uh, she has, she goes through trials and tribulations and, you know, ups and downs. Mm -hmm. and, and I think we really, me personally, I, yeah, I root for her, right? And she has, you know, she has her awesome side character who's always rooting for her too. Um, so I think there's a lot more characterization in book three. I guess, would you agree with that, Talia? More characterization. Um, I do think there is more characterization, but I don't think that that's like the reason to keep following, if that makes sense. Like there's some really interesting characters who like don't even have Wikipedia pages because they're not important to the plot. But I think like Tao Bin who is the youngest candidate for the sword holder and you sort of think he's done with his arc and then we're 400 years in the future and Chung Shin wakes up and it's like, oh, you're here, you know, you got sent to the future as well. And then he takes her on a tour of like the new bunker era and they have some interesting, you know, exposition, honestly, like they're there for exposition, but it's just interesting to follow characters over this longer period of time. So I thought it was maybe not more character driven, but there was more development. I guess like the main question is like, after we finish this book, do you think there'll still be like, ah, oh, like science concepts are still were good, but the characters are still lacking. I, I don't think that's, I don't think that, that will be the case. Nah, if you still think that after the third book, we tried our best. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like there's a lot of people who don't like the main character uh, of, of book three. And I, there's, there's reasons for that that I don't agree with. And, you know, we've talked mm -hmm. about that at length as well. And, you know, we'll get more into that as we finish the book. And I'm interested to hear both Tim and Amin's, your, your perspective mm -hmm. on it, because she is pretty much the biggest quote unquote controversy, I guess, of, of the fandom. <laughs> like a lot of people really hate her. And I think those people are probably just misogynist at heart and uh, they're okay with, I, I don't know. I don't know why. That's my only guess is of why they would hate her so much. Was that part of Dan Wong's who we talked oh, about yeah. last week? Was was that was that one of his objections to the third book or was it was his objection strictly oh on plot? Speaking of misogyny, do you did you remember <laughs> what he said? Not that I'm not that I'm saying he's a misogynist at all. He was saying that there are misogynistic elements in Remembrance of Earth's Past, and I'm nodding along like, all right, yeah, he's going to talk about his dream lover. And instead, he's yeah. like, in the third book, they describe the world as feminized. And I was like, mm, that's not really the conflict that I see <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't remember that being his knock on the third. I don't remember what his knock on the third books was. I guess we'll talk about this again. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> other than like he thought it was trite and Hollywood and dismal, right? Those those are yeah. his main knocks. Like I don't remember any like specific less cultural. You know, yeah, yeah. We, we, we don't we don't need to revisit his whole argument. <laughs> I, I was just, I was just trying to connect connect the dots to the last episode, and clearly yeah, yeah, there's yeah. not a dot to connect. So you can just delete this whole part. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I would guess that like his his dis distaste in the third book is probably rooted in his dislike for the character, the main character in the third book, because that seems to be what a lot of people hang on to. And I'm sure there's valid reasons. I just I don't fathom them right now based off of what I've read. It just seems to be like, oh, Chung Shin sucks because she didn't activate deterrence. And, you know, she shut down Lightspeed stuff because she's a, you know, a soft-hearted girl and you know doesn't have the mm. stomach to do it that kind of stuff and like that stuff it's not valid you talk about characters like the idea being you couldn't enjoy the third book if you don't agree with the character yeah because i just don't know if i can track that i really like the first book and like 
I didn't really agree with Wang Miao because I didn't really think he had a strong personality. So it, yeah, yeah. I, I'm saying like uh, I think of some people like if there's and and I mean correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like the main knock on the book was that there's no like character that you're invested in mm. as much. I think in like Game of Thrones series, like you'll be really invested in some of the characters, like either good or bad characters mm-hmm. or both, right? Where in especially Three Body Problem, I think Three Body Problem is the worst of, of all of them as far as characterization because Wong Miao is basically just there, an exposition machine, right? <laughs> like he's just right, there to right. receive information. It doesn't really bring that much to the story. Yeah, Win Jie, I think, does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wong Miao as a main character of that book doesn't really do much. And even like the Dark Forest, that because the character shifts so much and like you don't really know what Logi's importance is. Like he's, you can tell he's a main character because of the volume of information, but like you don't get a whole lot about him mm-hmm. uh, until until the very end. You know, the beginning is like, oh, this playboy guy who like sleeps on women, you just remember the names of, and that's not much of a, a person you're going to really, like dig into that much. And that's not going to be a problem for the third book because that's what I was getting after. So I mean, correct me that uh, how I was wrong about your opinion. There. No, that's that's absolutely how I felt. Correct. My main question was like, I think that that is not going to be a problem when it comes to the third book. Like her or hate her. Chung Chin is the main character and she has a lot of personality and a lot to root or for or against or be annoyed that she doesn't do things. <laughs> but at least like she's there and like that's someone to, you know, really hang on to and, and be that kind of central character. In addition to all the really, really awesome scientific stuff that happens uh, and mm-hmm. world building stuff that happens, like the third book just has like 10x of what the second book has in, in terms of all that. I don't want to like uh, beat a dead horse or be a broken record since I know this is the last time you'll hear me talk about Chung Sheen for quite some time. <laughs> But I think the excuse of she didn't make the right choices is just not a good enough one to like have the level of hate and vitriol for a character. One of my totally. favorite, it's a it's a bit of a cheesy movie. This is not like a film. This is a movie. One of my favorite movies is Mission Impossible 6. I thought the franchise was, you know, good at doing what it likes to do and like delivering high action. But one of the things that was impossible about, what is it called? Fallout, maybe? is that everything possible goes wrong. Like every single choice that would have led their plan to be tightly closed and like finished goes wrong. And yeah, maybe Chung Sheen gets in the way of tying up the story in a nice way. But I like to think of it like if you look at what Wade suggests, people like to hold up Wade as the example. And if he'd been in charge, we would have had light speed ships sooner. Uh, not true at all. Wade right. tells Chung Sheen to sell her star that you know it's given to her out of unrequited pure love he's like sell it it's worthless you better just drop the price and if she'd done that she couldn't have made her multi-millions that let her start the company which then gave wade the power to do anything like love actually is not just a sweet compassionate thing it ends up being the right choice over and over again and that's what i think the third book is about yeah and it's not like wade even came up with the idea of curvature propulsion he just like ruled this company with an iron fist he was like the ceo that was installed to, to instill this is not fear a commentary on elon musk this is not a commentary. <laughs> yeah well i mean we'll see I, i'm i'm really interested to see uh i hope i'm not coloring your opinion i mean I'm, I, I definitely am coloring your opinion probably <laughs> of, of what you know what you should think of chung sheen but i mean make up your own mind mm-hmm. uh, i'm actually interested write us an email hear... write us an yeah, email our I... email is open I'm very interested to hear rational perspectives of why Chung Sheen is bad main character, I guess, um, mm. or not interesting one. Uh, mm-hmm. And but if your reasons are just like, oh, she's a soft hearted girl who doesn't have the stomach for destroying Trastellaris, like that's not interesting to me, and that's not a valid reason for her not to be a good character. 
So one other thing I wanted to talk about as I was thinking about it, you know, so in this chapter, we're introduced to the dark forest theory, which is mind blowing. And I'm pretty sure like it, this is one of the big things you think about when you think of the book now in the, in the series. And it's not like a, a one and done thing. Like it's prevalent through the next book. Like the entire book is kind of uh, based off the dark forest. The humanities understand the dark forest principle now. But like, the, like I talked about, we have the deterrence era, which drives like the first half or more of the book mm -hmm. uh, of just waiting, you know, kind of the detente between uh, Earth and Trisolaris and like what that looks like. And then when that that's broken, when deterrence fails, like there's a whole other section that happens because of that. Uh, and then we have the singer chapter, which is the other alien race that the kind of even more superior alien race that destroys our solar system and may destroy, may have destroyed, someone destroys Trisolaris. We don't know who, mm -hmm. um, but it could have been singer too in his race. Uh, they seem to be the kind of cleansers who go and just like, as people broadcast, they just destroy them as their job. And it's more like kind of rote. <laughs> it's like, there's a work workman going there and just like, all right, we've got to find stars and destroy them. That's, that's what you do. Uh, and then we also have at the very end, Chengxin and a go in a light speed ship to uh, a really distant planet, which they don't have a name for it. It's called Planet Blue because it has bluegrass. They also meet up with some of the people from the ships that descended from Zhangbei High, the blue space. Yeah, they improbably. Meet up with They're also yeah. here. They, they meet up with them. And the one of the super interesting parts to me is that world is really built on the dark force principle where it's a super ta uh, societal taboo to talk about where you're from or where you are. And giving any kind of information about like your location is really, really frowned upon. <laughs> Um, and, to, and it's dangerous well, it's because rude. everyone, yeah, it's rude because we could use that information to kill you. Right, right, right. So ever like the whole universe kind of knows mm -hmm. about, or the whole mm -hmm. this universe knows about the Ooh. the the dark force principle, and then how dangerous it is. So, uh, yeah, the entire book is kind of built upon that. Um, where I think there's not a lot of through lines between book one and book two. I think you know, there's like the the Trisolar and Sophons, but like not that much that ties it together. But like it really feels like book three is built on the foundation of book two to me. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I mean, uh, understanding the dark force principle, I would say is, is important. I mean, not, I don't know, like there's a lot of information that kind of come at you. And I think similar to the Sofan chapter is a lot of information that, that comes at you, you know, like you have to process I mean, it. So like, I guess, do you understand the, the dark force principle now? I mean, like, was it written well enough for you to go back and reread it or where are you at with it? No, I, I think I understood the dark forest principle. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was fairly clear. And uh, I'm one of those people where anytime the title of the book or the movie is in a scene, I kind of pay more attention because I figure it's yeah. important. So, <laughs> so yeah. Oh, I was saying like, like the yeah, seemingly unimportant <laughs> snow project being the title of our show. <laughs> Yeah, I, I struggled with like what to call the last episode. I was like, Snow Project, that's going to be like, no one's going to know what that means. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I tried to keep those like... titles for the next one. Next, uh... Exactly. Did yeah. you like that final scene between Dasher and Luoji when Dasher is almost saying, oh, okay, well, explain it to me in a really simple way. And Luoji's just ice cold. He's like, anyone can understand. It's very simple. And that's yeah. what we end up seeing in the third book is like, this is something that's not understood by intellectuals and philosophers like every child born on every world hmm. knows this that it's just like look both ways before you cross the street because the world is really dangerous right don't give it your coordinates because you're gonna get blown up by a photoid <laughs> yeah, same yeah i really like that final conversation that they have like 
lighting cigarettes to be those small points of light, like the points of light in the dark yeah. forest. I just thought it was very well done. Yeah. I mean, as far as like exposition dumps go, like it was really well done and simple to understand. And I think I conveyed the message really well. And also like Dasher's reaction about like, oh man, that is dark. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like not only like, is this like a, a theory that like kind of builds that, that like moves them on to the next level, but it's like, oh, the universe is way darker than I expected. Like, it's not, you know, I think we as humanity have like this idea of like, oh, we're going to meet this other species and they're going to come here and they're going to, you know, we're going to be friends and share technology. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, they're just going to kill we're you. We're going to teach because... them our ways. <laughs> right. <laughs> just like nah. they you. <laughs> right, right. I, I really like the analogy of um, when the OG says like the humanity, just like the, the kids next to the bonfire yelling, like, hey, look at us, look at us. I really like that one. Mm -hmm. And, and and I think I think part of what made for me anyway is the dark force theory more sticky is is both Dan and Talia and others just emphasizing the what is it, the two rules of the civil of civilization that their own mm -hmm. survival is is the most important thing. So mm -hmm. I think that I think that also helped helped make it much more clear when they did get to this explanation. It's true because it's like it's more important than getting better resources. Like, oh, well, they'll be my friends because we have a symbiotic relationship. No, like their survival comes first, and right. it's not. It's more important than loyalty. It's always survival is that primary need. Yeah, and then that change of suspicion, like a lot, like show that like even um, even if you do think you have cooperation, like you don't know what they're thinking, you know, and mm -hmm. that just continues on and on, especially with any kind of communication barrier to to impede that that cooperation and there and i like also they're saying like with interspecies uh communication that like you can result use to resolve it with a conversation between like great distances and different civilizations and different uh star systems or whatever mm -hmm. the it's just impossible and so it's just way easier just to fire and well and, easier and for offense but also for defense like the only way to be safe yeah. is to prevent yourself from getting new technology prevent yourself from like discovering new things but if mm. it threatens your survival again we see that falling in the favor of survival yeah yeah most. yeah and then that reminds me of the, the humanity is like preparing for the inevitable attack the the quote-unquote inevitable photoid attack that's going to come like they have the different ideas and there's like this idea of a cosmic uh, safety notice and like how can you tell the universe that we are not dangerous and there's a whole like the whole different varied reactions. Surprise to surprise, like Leo Shijin has like different factions of thought about how to. How to uh, <laughs> of course, I forgot how, about that. Yeah, how to oh uh, how to make so how to right. achieve, achieve that. <laughs> so like, yeah, like oh, we have three different ways to deal with it. And so like, yeah, yeah help just... me out for that factions convo. I'm sure the guest stars. I'm. I don't even think we hyped up the guests enough. The next season is going to be incredible because it's all the hosts that you love and then new guest stars that you might have recognized from interviews and they're going to give unique perspectives. I know it sounds like I'm behind on listening to the main show. That's extenuating circumstances. I usually include <laughs> to this show. I love listening. Really, I do. Thank you. <laughs> I am I'm in it for the factions. I love it. <laughs> Every time he introduces like, you know, new trees of factions, like I'm not I'm um, so, I mean, actually, I had another question for you as you were talking about the title of Dark Forest having significance towards the end of it. What would you guess that Death's End means? And we're not going to give you the answer, but we'll revisit it later on. I'm guessing it probably has two meanings. 
So one is probably the actual physical death of the, the solar system from, I forgot who you said, from Singer or whoever that is. Mm. So so it, it probably refers to the end of the Earth and human civilization as we know it. And then, I don't know this for a fact, but it's probably some other scientific event or yeah probably some other some other space related event that happens that helps the humans in some way i don't know that would be my guess okay am good. i close good answer uh i uh. would say that the answer is not gonna be as mind-blowing as dark forest <laughs> but you know it's oh, uh, okay. <laughs> it, is, it is mentioned later on mm-hmm. all right well any final things you want to talk about or any other stuff that you want to talk about before we just dive into get ready for the new the new book uh what did you think yeah i guess final final thought would be what about that final conversation that we have with the trisolarin who contacts luoji and his his wife when they're together with his daughter that wasn't my favorite part it was it was nice would it have been better to leave it out i guess is my question. well i i like that they connected back <laughs> with the the trisolarin i i like i like closing that loop but I don't, I don't know that, quote, love is the answer is, was the best closing, I guess. It, it, seemed, it seemed a little hokey. Yeah, it's hard, hard to end that book, right? Like, how can you yeah. end it? Yeah. Mm. Did you like it, Talia? It gave me false hope. I was like, oh, other people think that way. And then the third book sort of crushed that. <laughs> it, does, it, crushed, it, it takes a while for it to crush it, right? Like, you think like, oh, okay, well, they're going to cooperate and like, just turns it on his head again <laughs> it could be that dan is right and it's hard to end a book like that i just was i guess surprised because i thought that the conversation between luoji and dashu was kind of it i was definitely expecting it to end and then it's like oh field trip to humanity's you know gravitational device or whatever they go visit i, th- I thought it was actually really cool how they kind of seeded that the already humans and trashlarians are cooperating by having the gravitational antennas that they they said they're going to help us build. Mm. The Luaji says like, oh, it's a really well known trashlarian saying about this thing, right? So they already like have this like cultural collaboration, and you can see that you think mm. like humanity and trashlarians are like already kind of like cooperating more, and like maybe we won't even need deterrence later on because like we're such good friends now. Right, right. Yeah, they're they're really seeding that 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 kind of idea really early on. So I think that was that was cool. Well, I just want to say thanks to Dan and Talia for for spoiling this book for me and also for spoiling the entire series. I'm looking forward to, I guess, technically two seasons from now, but the next book. So um, to all our listeners, thanks for listening. If you have comments, you can email us at rehydrate at fastmail.com or on Twitter at rehydratepod. And join us next season when we start reading Death's End. And the first episode will be The Staircase Program, which is part one of Death's End by Lucy Shin. Thanks all.